capture the adrenaline that's shooting off in the electricity, he captures it right there on paper. Ladies and gentlemen, Al Hirschfeld. Well, I've drawn ever since I could hold a pencil. Actually, all kids draw. I just never stopped. Welcome to the Hirschfeld Century Podcast. I'm David Leopold, the creative director of the Al Hirschfeld Foundation. And I'm Catherine Eastman, the archives manager. And today we are finishing up our two-parter on jazz. Jazz, uh, Hirschfeld's jazz on Broadway and in Hollywood. It's even more incredible than you think. Yeah, so we have some good stories for this one. Yeah. Uh, Well, we'll start with Broadway because when you're talking Hirschfeld, you always start with Broadway. Of course. And Hirschfeld was drawing jazz on Broadway before maybe it was considered jazz on Broadway um, in uh, uh, the uh, Blackbirds of uh, 1928. Right. um, Rhapsody in Black, I think, which was in 1930. Uh, uh, even at home abroad, uh, which was 1935. Mm. Um, so it, it's very early on. Of course, there's a great drawing of Ethel Waters, which we talked about in our last episode. Yeah. That dates back to 1928. Um, Hirschfeld, uh, as we also said before, was already a huge record, jazz record collector, uh, 78s. Um, and uh, so he loved jazz. And when he saw it on Broadway, that was great. I mean, he, he loved that. Uh, you know, uh, just as Broadway had supplied a number of standards for jazz performers, jazz also played a role in the Great White Way. Uh, as far back as uh, 1939, Hirschfeld had captured both the hot and swing productions of the Mikado. He uh, created the logo for a jazz version of A Midsummer Night's Dream uh, that mm-hmm. featured both Benny Goodman and Louis Armstrong. Uh, he drew uh, Processional, which was a jazz symphony of American life, uh, starring a young George Abbott. Uh, and more than 60 years later, he was still drawing jazz uh, interpreted on Broadway in shows like Sophisticated Ladies, uh, Ain't Misbehavin' and Fosse. Mm. Uh, so it's a, it's a very long history that he had uh, with jazz on Broadway. Definitely. So let's start at the beginning, though, of jazz on Broadway. Well, uh, besides those early sort of reviews that we're talking about, I think a really interesting drawing that shows jazz on Broadway is not a drawing of a show on stage, but a show of uh, a drawing of a show backstage, which is at home abroad. It was a musical review uh, directed by Howard Dietz, who, uh, for those of you with history on your mind... Of course, gave Hirschfeld his uh, first published drawing. He would, at Goldwyn Pictures, he would fish uh, little doodles Hirschfeld would make of the Goldwyn stars, and he fished them out of the newspaper, or waste paper basket, and not the newspaper basket, (laughs) and then would publish them in the newspaper. So he really gave Hirschfeld his start as an artist. He, he was his first boss. Right. And, uh, of course, Dietz would go on to become a great director and a songwriter uh, with author Arthur Schwartz. Um, but in this drawing, uh, Hirschfeld's backstage with Dietz, Ethel Waters, um, and then the Spirits of Rhythm, which were a great jazz group uh, from that time, sort of guitar-oriented, I think three or four guys mm who just had a wonderful career at that time, and they were part of this review production of Porgy and Bess. Right, right. And there may have been earlier ones. Uh, we don't know. We're, you know, the account books are kind of vague on it, uh, but uh, we know that album covers started about 1938. Alex Steinweiss uh, created the first album covers then, album covers as we know them today, with pictures and sort of compelling images to make you buy the record. And of course, Hirschfeld was an early adapter. Art directors understood that Hirschfeld's drawings 
you know, uh, attracted an audience. Right. And we have Hirschfeld's account, Hirschfeld's account books where he lists his assignments and some are from studio or record studios or yeah, record, Columbia records. Right. So, and, but there's no real information as to what the drawing was or really any indication that, you know, we could kind of say, Oh, this was definitely for this album cover. Or even what performers sometimes will right. have five drawings for Columbia. Right. And we have no idea what those drawings were or um, who they are or, or, or how they were used. Right. Uh, so, um, as I said, so in 1939, it was a great jazz year uh, on Broadway. It was a great year on mm -hmm. Broadway altogether. Um, there were these two different productions of the Mikado uh, interpreted through the through uh, uh, jazz vernacular. Right. There was the Hot Mikado, which starred uh, Bojangles, uh, the great Bill Robinson, uh, directed by Nat Carson, who, uh, in fact, just six years later, would have the dubious distinction of producing uh, uh, something called Sweet By and By, a flop <laughs> musical comedy that Hirschfeld wrote with S.J. Perlman, Ogden Nash, and Vernon Duke. Right. <laughs> um, but Hirschfeld, uh, you know, uh, in the 1930s, Hirschfeld being in the theater before the shows began, going to rehearsals, that was part and parcel of who he was. Uh, and we find him at a rehearsal of uh, the Hot Mikado with Bojangles. Uh, right. And, and this one's like he's he's in the audience. You can right. kind of see the director in front of him or whoever's sitting in front of him in the audience. Exactly. He's sitting the in the house. You can see yeah. the seats in front of him. Uh, the drawing is now in the collection of the National Portrait Gallery. Mm. Uh, and Wendy Wick Reeves, their longtime curator of prints and drawings, now retired, talks about the rhythm in the drawing because the seats and the curtains and the way he has it have an innate rhythm to right. them. Right. Uh, but then he would go on to do a drawing of the show on stage, mm. you know, sort of a, uh, a real front of house drawing. At the same time, I mean, within weeks of each other, Another version of the Mikado opened you can't, up. You can never have enough Mikado. Right. Apparently. Evidently. In 1939, <laughs> you could not get enough. Uh, and uh, it was the swing Mikado mm. with different performers, obviously. Hirschfeld did not go, if he went to the rehearsal, he didn't do a drawing of it. Right. But he did a wonderful drawing uh, uh, for the papers at that time. And so to have two versions of uh, the Mikado on Broadway as... Uh, as Jazz versions of these things was unheard of. It never happened before, <laughs> and not surprisingly, it hasn't happened since. Right. That same season, uh, Hirschfeld was involved in another production, of which I'm sure he was at the rehearsal, although he did not do a drawing of the rehearsal. It was a jazz version of A Midsummer Night's Dream called Swing in the Dream. And it had all the elements of a big hit. Yeah, it should have been a huge hit. I'm sure everybody wanted to, maybe everybody wanted to see it. I still want to see it today. It's in fact somewhat of the holy grail of Broadway fans and jazz aficionados because people try to find the script, mm. uh, how it was adapted, and, and how the songs were integrated because this show was unlike anything else. Uh, Louis Armstrong was playing bottom in the production. Right. Uh, Maxine Sullivan was playing Titania, and Butterfly McQueen was playing uh, Puck. Um, and I guess she was fresh off Gone with the Wind. Yes, just uh, uh, fresh off of it. Mm -hmm. um, sets inspired by Disney. Sets inspired by Disney. They had a 50-piece pit band, and on one side of this pit band, they, Benny Goodman had his band, and on the other side was Bud Freeman's band. Wow. 
So, I mean... And Hirschfeld did the advertising art. It had everything. Yeah, uh, Hirschfeld did this wonderful piece of advertising art that was used on the program and in newspaper ads and posters of uh, Goodman and Armstrong playing while Shakespeare dances above them. So this, this wonderful image was used, and then he did a great drawing for the Times that not only featured, you know, it was a classic Hirschfeld drawing, it featured all the action, didn't tell you any of the story, but it gave you some sense of the, the set, uh, uh, the performers, there were singing musical notes in it. I mean, right. it is a, a really, really great drawing that was featured in the Hirschfeld Century Exhibition. Yes, it was. Uh, and uh, is in the book of the same name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all would have been good except, <laughs> or as my aunt used to say, there's a but. There's but always a but. It only ran for 13 performances. Not a big success. No. And the show was closed down. And that would have been the end of the story except... The producer neglected to play Hirschfeld for the drawing he mm. had done for the poster program and uh, uh, right. newspaper ads. And one of Hirschfeld's friends, who was a lawyer, said, you should sue him and served an injunction on the producer. The judge granted this injunction and impounded all the musical instruments in the show, or many of them that were at the theater, and brought them to Hirschfeld's mm-hmm. studio which at that time was at the Osborne on 57th Street. Gotcha. And so they brought up these big kettle drums. They brought up all kinds of instruments, including Louis Armstrong's trumpet. Right. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert, the producer paid, and the instruments <laughs> went back. Uh, but for Hirschfeld, he, he loved it. I mean, uh, if that was an insane thing that happened that he thought was very funny. Uh, but, uh, so, th- so jazz was, was really, uh, very current on Broadway in the 1930s. It was a great federal theater production called Swing It, which oh, right, was right. a series of African-American, really vaudeville performers doing their bits in a show that I don't even think had a much of a storyline altogether, mm. but Herschel right. did a great drawing of it. It is a great drawing. Um, and then as they moved into Ford, in, into the forties, as I said, he did this, uh, Porgy and Bess, um, mm. He, you know, for him, jazz was part of uh, his vocabulary. So a lot of drawings are infused with jazz. There's a great drawing of uh, Beat the Band, which had a great score, uh, I think, by Johnny Green, Mm. um, where he collaged sheet music uh, into the drawing. Um, And then, of course, there were the, the really sort of uh, now this is much later, but they're really classics now. Ain't mm-hmm. misbehaving, you know the Fats Waller musical. He had drawn Fats Waller, but here was an opportunity to have the songs come to life in a wonderful review. He drew the original production as well as the revival a few years later, right. um, uh, with Ken Page and uh, just really terrific, terrific drawings. Um, and then Sophisticated Ladies, the sort of the Duke Ellington musical. Um, he was a huge fan of Duke Ellington, mm. was a big part of his record collection. Um, so I'm sure he, if the drawings indicate how much he enjoyed a production, he really enjoyed the uh, Sophisticated Ladies because he did a series of mostly Friday drawings of Sophisticated Ladies um, that are really stunning. And they're really beautiful uh, and classic one-line uh, pieces. Um and at the same time, there was another show called uh, Further Mo, 
uh, or One More Time, um, which was uh, Vernal Bagnerius. Again, a show that uh, drew on the Jelly Roll Morton story, uh, the story of jazz, um, and Hirschfeld did these terrific drawings. There's one of Bagnerius that is just... Uh, unbelievable. Yeah, I just actually uploaded it to the website today for this episode. Oh, fantastic. And I did, so it's all cleaned up and it's good as new. <laughs> yeah, and of course, uh, in terms of Jelly Roll Morton, not only did it do a drawing of Jelly Roll, right. but he did a great cast drawing of Jelly's Last Jam. Right. Uh, the the musical sort of biography of Jelly Roll Morton, which uh, I is one of my favorite yeah, Broadway musicals. Yeah, we talked about that last week, or yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> that is your favorite musical. It is my favorite musical. <laughs> we we really, do, I, I really do love it. Um, and Hirschfeld would actually draw twice. Once for uh, the Times, uh, right before the Sunday before the show opened, the drawing appeared. And then once, uh, it was filmed for uh, great performances on public television. Mm. And when pub and when great performances celebrated their 30th anniversary, of course, who did they go to to commemorate this uh, um, this special milestone for them? But of course, Hirschfeld, because right. he had drawn everybody who they had produced. And in the in the center of that drawing is Gregory Hines as Jelly Roll Morton. Nice. <laughs> um, so it's a really great one. He also did uh, drawings of both the original production of Carmen Jones in 1943 and then the revival in the 1950s. Mm. And in fact, when the revival went on the road, they used Hirschfeld's drawings on the program and in the newspaper ads. Mm. Interesting. Um, he did another show. Speaking of Gregory Hines, he did a great... Uh, drawing of Maurice Hine, uh, Gregory's brother, in Uptown, It's Hot. Right. You know, which was another sort of jazz-flavored musical. Um, and, of course, you can't talk about jazz on Broadway without talking about jazz hands on Broadway. And he drew, of course, many of Bob Fosse's uh, productions. Mm -hmm. And then he sort of capped that all with a really tremendous drawing of the dancers in Fosse. Yes. Uh, um, yeah, that's a, a great one. In a, a, a sort of a late great uh, Hirschfeld drawing. <laughs> yeah. And he also, by the way, it's not really a jazz show, but he did uh, Fosse's uh, uh, production of Dancing. Oh, uh, right, right. Which was all dance. Um, so uh, there is very little that he didn't do uh, 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 jazz on Broadway. Jazz-wise. Yeah. All right, let's go to Hollywood. Let's go. I feel like it's a road <laughs> movie. What's a road movie? Oh, my goodness. Bob Hope, Bing Crosby, The Road to Hong Kong. The oh, Road. To... road. Yes. I thought you said Roan. <laughs> I was like, what is a Roan movie? Uh, well, I, well I, you know what I always say, where there's hope. There's Crosby. <laughs> All right. So we're in Hollywood now. <laughs> okay. Now, so when MGM wanted to capture the energy and culture of African-American life in a poster for the studio's first all-black production, Hallelujah, it turned to the 25-year-old Hirschfeld to create an indelible image mm. of a woman lost in the ecstasy of a jazz band. Um this image is great. It was. It has since been immortalized in a U.S. postage stamp. Yeah. Um, the the and he created this image, uh, not originally for a poster, but for what what are, were called yearbooks. They were essentially sample books that salesmen took to theater owners to have them buy MGM product. Um, the crazy thing about this is, of course, that the film was not made. It wasn't written. It wasn't. 
it wasn't casted. Um, they didn't really know what the movie was going to be about. They had a couple of lines of uh, what we call Ballyhoo <laughs> and a title. And from that, Hirschfeld created this really wonderful image. Yeah, and it is a great image. And it made me want to see the film. So I looked it up. It's on YouTube, or it used to be on YouTube at least. And I started watching it, and I was sorely disappointed Th this drawing has nothing to do with the movie. The movie is terribly depressing. Uh, <laughs> it's about what sharecroppers or yeah, something. Sure. Oh, it's so sad. I like you know would skip through it, seeing okay, where's the jazz stuff come? Where's this exciting Hirschfeld stuff come along? And it doesn't come. No. So, uh, so uh, it it did its job in that it really made me want to see the film, and then I was sad that I was there. Once I got there. <laughs> had the, the sadness had nothing to do with Hirschfeld. No, no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> but it is a really great image, and he would go on to do um, two other posters for that. Um, but uh, MGM turned to him again uh, to capture the spirit uh, of the all-black uh, cast of uh, Cabin in the Sky, right. featuring Lena Horne, Ethel Waters, and Louis Armstrong, although he did not draw any of those people in his images in the image for the film. Right. Uh, the poster for the film shows a generic uh, African man, woman, and devil. Right. You right. know, uh, equal opportunity Satan, I guess. Yeah. Uh, he's black. Um, and he actually did some lobby cards for it. The really wonderful pieces that would not have been out of place in Harlem as seen by Hirschfeld, mm. which he had drawn, which he had yeah, published two so years true. earlier. Uh, and these and the Cabin in the Sky poster is one of those really iconic works mm. that is you often see when they talk about great uh, Hollywood posters. Mm. Um, so why they pick uh, this one artist to produce both of those? It's because I think he had uh, he had a feel for it, you know. Right, right. And in Hirschfeld's work, it, the color of a performer's skin was just not important. Right. Uh, it was what they were doing and 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 how they and and how what their character was and he was great on that. Um, and then in the 50s and 60s uh, with jazz as a soundtrack um, and occasionally the subject of contemporary films, Hirschfeld was again called on to make the, his lines sing. So he did uh, five pennies, which was the story of Red Nichols uh, starring Danny Kaye and had a supporting uh, role for Louis Armstrong. Oh. And he would draw Armstrong again in a supporting role to uh, uh, actor-musicians, mm. Paul Newman, Sidney Poitier, uh, in a, a United Artists film called Paris Blues, uh, which also starred Joanne Woodward and Diane Carroll. A mm. really uh, a great image. Other ones from that period, Kings Go Forth, um, it was a big one. MGM also had him do Swing Fever, which was uh, with Kay Kaiser, uh, who was uh, uh, um, a band leader um, of that period. Mm. Um, history has not remembered him nearly as much as others. <laughs> no, um, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so the those films with great sort of jazz soundtracks, mm. Odds Against Tomorrow, Sweet Smell of Success, those all had Hirschfeld drawings as well. Right. Uh, so he 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 could capture that sort of element of jazz in a film, even if he didn't have performers in it. Right. Um, and then there's a great movie that really is not a jazz movie, although it has a great jazz 
soundtrack, which is I Want to Live with Susan Hayward. Oh, yes. A story about a woman who is uh, convicted of a crime and sentenced to die. Very explosive uh, mm. message film. What year is this? Uh, I think that's uh, late 50s. Gotcha. Um, and Susan Hayward's in the center of the drawing, and she's surrounded by uh, musical instruments uh, that are most definitely jazz. Oh, it's yeah. Definitely. 1958. Uh, so it's got all these hands, you know, classic Hirschfeld hands. Um, Big uh, bass. Got, yeah, uh, trumpets, trombones, yeah. drummers, and then there's a guy with a gun. <laughs> you know, in a newspaper headline that talks about murder. But you definitely get the sense of the the sort of jazz flavor of these oh, films. Oh, definitely. You can hear the music. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, uh, of course, uh, he would... The one last sort of jazz influence thing uh, that happened with Hirschfeld in movies was uh, Fantasia 2000. Oh, right. Uh, where Hirschfeld doesn't animate uh, the section of Rhapsody in Blue. That honor would go to Eric Goldberg and his wife Susan, um, who had really wanted to work with Hirschfeld, but Hirschfeld, then being 97, decided <laughs> that that was a whole other career. And he just wanted to continually working at what he was working at. Uh, but Eric and Susan convinced uh, uh, Hirschfeld to let them use his existing drawings and turned it into a great short film uh, uh, to Rhapsody in Blue. Right, by George Gershwin. George Gershwin. Uh, and I I remember when Rhapsody in Blue came out. So if it was in 2000, I was 10 years old. And my brother, <laughs> my brother and I were obsessed with Rhapsody in Blue. That was the only segment we watched. We watched it over and over and over again. And it's so funny. Like, I didn't grow up watching Nina's. I guess I grew up or looking for Nina's. I, I grew up watching Rhapsody in Blue. Right. And so when I got this job and then kind of realized that that's who Rhapsody in Blue was or that was the guy behind it, I was very excited because I was like, oh, I, I do know that. <laughs> uh, and she would later have dinner with Eric uh, oh, and yes. Goldberg. I was totally <laughs> starstruck. Well, also my favorite Disney movie is Pocahontas and he's the director of Pocahontas. So there was that too. We love Eric and Susan. They're yes, wonderful they're people. <laughs> and, uh, the, get, and, and getting uh, Hirschfeld to participate in this film was really wonderful because it takes so many of his great drawings. Yeah. And, well, and, one, the main characters from Harlem, Solid, yeah. solid Sender. A jazz Harlem. drummer. Right. A jazz drummer. And, uh, and to introduce this film, they get Quincy Jones, who was a great friend of uh, Hirschfeld's, mm -hmm. and they'd known each other for years, I mean, for decades, really. And when Quincy introduces the segment, he talks about Hirschfeld, and he talks about George Gershwin, and, you know, puts them on equal footing. Right. Uh, yeah. And really understands that they both have this rhythm and this uh, this pulse, uh, this melody in their work mm. that is undeniable, and it's why it's lasted all this time. Right. And, of course, they use portraits of Hirschfeld and Gershwin by Hirschfeld right. in this, uh, to introduce the segment. If you have never seen Fantasia 2000, oh, totally. You if must. you've never seen this segment, you should. You have, uh, you to. have to. Yeah. It's that's the only one you need to see. Don't tell anyone I told you that. <laughs> but that's the only one you need to see because it's the only one my brother and I would watch. Well, I think it's interesting. It's really one of the hand-drawn uh, images. That's true. Uh, yeah. in, uh, or pieces in that film. Most that's of it true. is computer-generated. Yeah. And the problem with computer generated and Hirschfeld had this mm -hmm. uh, uh, issue is that they try to be so lifelike. And the fact mm. is Hirschfeld felt that animation 
the great thing about animation is that you were not constrained by reality. Right. That he felt as soon as you put a fifth finger on the hand, you were sort of killing the illusion. Mm. You know, this was a world in which no rules applied. So why put yourself in, uh, why limit yourself? Right. Um, and although Rhapsody in Blue is very much rooted in reality, it, by using Hirschfeld's drawings, by doing hand-drawn animation for it, it gives a special warmth to it. And it just feels more human than anything else in the in the yeah, movie. Yeah, definitely, definitely. We'll do a episodes upcoming on animation so oh, we can talk about idea. that. That's a good idea. Um, let's get back to jazz. Uh, well, all, all things jazz. I think we may have covered most of everything. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I do know... You always tell a story about Louis Armstrong um, for Time Magazine. There was a Time Magazine cover oh, sure. of, of uh, great, what is it, great entertainers of the 20th century. Yes, Time asked uh, Hirschfeld, commissioned Hirschfeld to do a drawing. They were doing special issues on the politics of the 20th century and the business of the 20th century. And they wanted to do something on the arts and entertainment of the 20th century. Very important uh, period in all arts. And, of course, who do you get to do that? You, you go to Hirschfeld, who had done... Time magazine covers for years. And they gave him a list of uh, people who could be on the cover. And it was up to Hirschfeld to choose which ones that he uh, wanted to include. Yeah, which I didn't know that. I thought that was very interesting that he was able to choose. And then it's interesting to see who he chose. Well, he chose a, a wonderful collection of individuals uh, Steven Spielberg, um, Lucy, uh, Lucy Picasso. And Chaplin. Chaplin. And in the original version, he did this wonderful piece of Louis Armstrong. Uh, and he drew Louis Armstrong sort of the way he'd been drawing Louis Armstrong for six or seven decades. Right. Uh, a, a, a version of which Terry Teachout, the critic for the Wall Street Journal, uh, playwright himself and a wonderful author and critic, uh, wrote a great book on uh, Louis Armstrong called Pops. I strongly recommend it. Um, but he loved Hirschfeld's drawings of Louis Armstrong so much that he included one in the book and actually mm. acquired one for his home. Mm. Well, this image of Armstrong was very much like that image that uh, classic, yeah. that Terry had uh, included in his book. But when the Time magazine editors got the drawing, they were concerned that Hirschfeld had made a caricature of Louis Armstrong. A derogatory. A yes. They were afraid it was... A it, little too far. It, it could be pejorative. Right. Um, editors uh, over the years sometimes would get nervous uh, with Hirschfeld drawings of African Americans because if he did anything to accentuate lips or mm -hmm. hair or something like that, they were worried of the blowback they would get from the African American community, which on one hand which is great because they were sensitive to that. But the fact is, no African-Americans ever complained about it. Mm. In fact, I think they felt like this is a guy who gets us. Mm, you know, right. uh, as I said, for Hirschfeld, the color of a performer's skin was of no more important than the color of their costume. Right. Uh, so they sent the piece back to Hirschfeld asking him, please, if he could do something else and have a different uh, performer. Mm. And so Hirschfeld, you know, always being a helpful guy. I mean, one of the reasons art directors always turn to Hirschfeld is he got everything in on time, was easy to work with, was accommodating uh, to a great extent. And so he did a new piece. This is in full color. Mm -hmm. And right. instead of Louis Armstrong, he included Bob Dylan, arguably a very, you know, good 
uh, equal uh, substitution. Um, no wasn't comment. A, was an African American, but uh, someone who had an impact on American music in a significant way. Uh, but the the original piece with Louis Armstrong, you can see on our website at alhirschfeldfoundation.org. Just like you can see all the drawings that we've talked about here, and, and, and we'll have links in the show notes. You can also see it in the book Hirschfeld Online that came out in 1999. They also have a full-page reproduction of the drawing. Mm. Uh, but so anytime you're looking for uh, Hirschfeld anything, the best place to start is alhirschfeldfoundation.org. Well, that's the only place you need to go. Yeah, only place I'm you need concerned. to go. And we have a search box right in the upper uh, right-hand corner. But if you're looking for something more specific, you can put in almost any words or anything there. But let's say you say, I want to see what he did, what else he did in 1939. You can go to our advanced search page and you can put in whatever criteria you want in terms of dates. You can put in whatever criteria you want on performer and production and, and publication or genre. I want to see all the film drawings he did in 1939 or all the music drawings he did in 1939 you can do that you can also on our timeline page you can go to 1939 and see what was the significant events that uh, uh that her that happened in the hirschfeld biography um you can also see every drawing he did in that year or you can see the 1938-39 theater season from there or the 39-40 theater season so there's a lot of different ways to look at the drawings, to find the things that you want to find, and discover drawings that you didn't know about. Right. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook, uh, the Al Hirschfeld Foundation, and uh, Twitter and Instagram at Al Hirschfeld. Um, we post things there every day, uh, and usually a drawing that has to do with uh, some date in history or right. uh, anniversary or birthday. Right. Right. Um, we had a great uh, post the other day um, that people loved. Uh, um, which is not surprising. What was it? Well, it was for July Fourth. Oh, and yes. uh, it was uh, it was Cakewalk. Yeah, uh, that's from the Rhythm series, which rhythm we talked series. about in uh, in part one. Yeah, yeah, and uh, people love that, and it's so great. It's fun. It's a fun drawing, and they were sharing it with everybody, and we we love that. We're into sharing as much as possible with as many people as possible. Yeah, so don't forget to subscribe and please write a review. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. Um, if you have questions, advice, uh, ideas for uh, upcoming episodes, write us at info at alhirschfeldfoundation.org. All right. I think that's it. Okay. Well, thank you very much for listening. Thanks. Thanks.